Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Hello Shiloh, thanks for tuning in for another week of church. If you're new here, maybe you've never dialed into church before, maybe you've never even been in a church before, we want you to feel super, super welcome. Um, This is a friendly place. We are a bunch of friendly people. Hey, uh, let's start the party on the chat and in the comment section. Why don't you drop the emoji that you're both you're most hoping will describe next week? So it might be sunshine, it might be the cool sunnies, it might be hands in the air, might be a dance party, might be a wedding, might be anything. Who knows? Drop the emoji in the chat that you're hoping will best describe next week for your life. Um, and you never know, you might even do the emoji where it's like people holding hands or hugging or whatever, um, because relationships are important. You might be thinking about relationships. Today, we are gonna be focusing on connections, uh, focusing on connections. And it, it's funny, um, I think most people understand it, but we should never journey through life alone. We should never journey through life alone, right? Because if you try to go through life alone, you just won't make it. It's just one of those things. Anybody that's lived for a few years, anyone that's been around a little while on this little blue planet will tell you that you just can't make it when you're on your own, right? Which also means that everyone needs to learn to ask help from time to time from other people. You know, it's one thing to be alone. It's another thing to have people in your world and then not be willing to ask help. I actually think the only thing worse than being alone is actually not being able to humble yourself and ask people to help you because we are also always gonna need a little bit of help from time to time. It's like, what's worse? The guy that doesn't have RECQ or the guy that does have RECQ, but because of his pride when he's broken down on the side of the road, won't pick up the phone and call them, right? And sometimes we can be like that as people. We can be um, uh, uh, so uh, desperate not to ask for help, whether it's pride or insecurity, whatever it might be, right? And uh, as a result of that, we don't pick up the phone and call somebody when we do need something. And, and again, you can you can try to go through life that way, but you just won't get very far. And I know that if you're tuning in, you're a regular part of Shiloh, you probably already know this. You're probably one of the smartest people on the chat right now, because uh, Shiloh people do know this. We get this. We know that relationships are important. We know that connection matters, which is why when we say focus on connection, we're like, cool, I get that. I'm a part of that, right? But um, the question, I guess, uh, for us is, how do you cultivate relationships right in your life where you can ask for help where you can call in a time of need and draw down a favor right and more specifically I guess what kind of relationships do you need to get through life how can you get from point a to point b on this little blue planet around the sun and 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 what kind of relationships are you going to need to get from that point to that point right like it's all good to say well I'm best mates with a plumber But if your car breaks down, you need to be best mates with a mechanic or vice versa. You know what I mean, right? And so uh, it's a a tricky thing. And I see people kind of struggle with that. And uh, we can struggle with that too. And that's where I say, enter the book of Nehemiah. This um, cool little book in the Old Testament that most people just gloss over because it's small and it's wedged in there between some much more exciting books uh, on the surface. It's a genius little book and it highlights Um, the importance of cultivating the right relationships. It highlights three specific relationships that you're going to need to get from point A to point B in life, to get through life and come out on the other side thriving and successful. So, 
background is this. If you've got a physical Bible, why don't you run and grab the book of Nehemiah out of, out of the bookshelf, out of your Bible, flip through. It's in the first part of the Bible. If you're watching this on a phone or a tablet that normally you read your Bible on, don't need to switch away. We'll chuck it on the screen. I'll read it to you as well if you're podcasting and driving or flying a plane or you're driving a train, whatever you might be doing. Um, so let me give you the background though for those who are running and grabbing their physical Bibles. The book of Nehemiah is about a guy called Nehemiah. It's mostly a first person account, almost like a dear diary from this guy, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a fascinating kind of a guy because he was ordinary in the way that you and I are ordinary. Like he wasn't some kind of priest or supreme spiritual leader like um, the people uh, like Ezra in the Bible. He's not a prophet the way Malachi was a prophet. He's just an ordinary guy working in a secular job. In this case, he worked for the Persian king Artaxerxes, right? And um, it, it, it was a cupbearer, which we'll talk about in a little bit later on, right? But he had this regular day job, just the way you and I have regular day jobs. But then what happened was um, God used him, right, to lead the Jews uh, back to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the city walls, which had completely um, come to ruin and um, exposed them from a safety perspective, created economic problems. There's a whole bunch of um, uh, nitty gritty archaeological and anthropological stuff that I would love to bore you with but I don't think you need to know it right now. And I don't want to lose those of you who don't find history as exciting as I do. So here we have a guy called Nehemiah who needs some relationships in order to fulfill the call of God on him, which is to help to rebuild the wall. He's not some kind of a super Christian with uh, a priestly attire. He's not a prophet or anything like that. He's an ordinary person like you and I, right? And the book of Nehemiah lists three great relationships. Now, we're not going to read the whole book of Nehemiah, although I think it would be great homework for you to do so. We're just going to like gloss through the story and kind of like skip forward chapter, chapter, chapter. And then you in your own time can kind of rip through that. But in Nehemiah chapter one, uh, verses one, it says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some of the other men who had arrived from just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who were going to Jerusalem there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. So he's away. He's over in the Persian heartland and his family have come to visit. And he's like, hey, how are things back home? Like maybe you're watching this and your family's back in Fiji or your family's back in Nigeria or back in um, uh, Czechoslovakia or America or Japan or wherever it might be, right? So they said to him, Things are not going well for those who've returned from the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgraced. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Skipping forward to verse 11. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So he basically tried all of the wine and the drink and stuff that the king drank just to make sure it wasn't poisoned, right? Skipping into chapter two, which is kind of next. It says, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king in his, his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, 
Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting right beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Pause. This is absolutely mammoth because he's a cupbearer, not a town planner. He's a cupbearer, not a tradie. He's a cupbearer, not a general. And he stepped out and he's asked his boss, the king, the person in authority, for um, a pretty big favor, the kind of favor that, to be honest, if the king didn't want to grant it, he could have just been annoyed by the request and had him executed. But he steps out, he asks, and you know what's incredible? God works and gives him favor, and the king says yes, right? Number one, the first type of relationships that you've got to have, type number one in the chat if you're paying attention, or the first emoji on your list if you're feeling brave. Number one, your connection with those in authority. Your connection with those in authority. This is the first type of relationship that you've got to learn to cultivate to get to where God's calling you to be in life, right? And the key to this relationship or this type of relationship is trust. The king trusted him. I mean, think about it. The king's life was literally in the cupbearer's hands. If you wanted to poison the king, you could just give a bribe to the cupbearer. Hey, we're going to give you, you know, a billion dollars worth of gold or whatever. Just inject a little bit of this poison into the wine. Tell him it's all good. And he could have handed it to the king and the king would have died. The king literally trusted um, Nehemiah with his life. And you can tell by the fact that the king says to him, man, you've never been sad. You've never been displeased. You've always got such a great demeanor that not only does he like somebody who put his life on the line for the king and the king trusted him, they actually had a great relationship. Nehemiah carried himself well in the court. He had favor with the king, not just in this one moment. It wasn't like the king thought he was a mongrel and then out of nowhere it switches. No, 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 no. He'd cultivated this relationship over time so that when he needed a miracle in terms of favor, yes, God granted him there, but he'd already dug the, dug the well to hold the water of the miracle that God was actually pouring out, right? And um, here's, I, I think, the thing that you got to ask yourself when it comes to people in authority, do they trust you? Do they trust you? Does your dad trust you? Does your mum trust you? Does your boss at work trust you? Um, what, do those in authority in, in your life, whatever area that might be, do they trust you? Does a coach trust you? Does a captain trust you, right? And um, if, if they do trust you, why do they trust you? And if they don't trust you, why don't they trust you, right? Nehemiah was such a Christ-like person that not only did the king trust him, he actually respected him, right? And um, and he respected his faith because of it, right? Now, um, usually when we go to a church service, people people think, well, I just... I just pick on people that aren't Christians. I never pick on Christians. That's so unfair, Phil. Uh, come on, like you're supposed to be a pastor, you're supposed to be fair. Why don't you pick on Christians for a change? So, okay, let me pick on Christians for a change on this point. Because um, I think sometimes Christians are our own worst enemy when it comes to stuff like this, right? We think that because Jesus is so gracious and so trusting that everybody else in our life is also going to be as gracious and as trusting as Jesus, right? So we can just drop the ball, just like we can drop our ball with our relationship with God. And just as God is gracious and trusting, hey, 
Um, is it my boss going to be gracious and trusting? Is it my coach going to be gracious and trusting? Is it my mum or dad going to be gracious and trusting, right? And, and the problem is we, we misunderstand as Christians that grace and trust are actually not the same thing. They're different things, right? So before I was, um, let's, let's, take the, let's take the church stuff away for a second. Before I was a pastor on staff at church, right, I worked in the regular workforce just like everybody else and I was a manager for a long time. I managed staff for many, many years. And um, it's a bit odd to say, but I actually found Christians much harder to manage than people that weren't Christians, right? So Christians would often turn up late and expect an excuse because, you know, grace, right? God's gracious. Um, they would be sick this day or that day, but expect grace because, you know, God's gracious. Um, they would miss deadlines and mismanage projects, but they would expect grace because, you know, God is gracious, right? Um, they would um, take longer breaks than everybody else and come back a bit later from their break, but it's cool. I got grace, right? God's a God of grace. Um, they would make mistakes in, uh, with customers and client relationships, but hey, it's cool, right? That person's also going to extend grace because, you know, God's a God of grace, right? Um, and, and you know what? Uh, being real, I actually did extend grace to those people. But you know what I didn't extend? Trust. I was gracious, but I wasn't actually trusting of these people because the, the, the truth is like, uh, how could I trust that they were going to come through? How could I trust that they were going to be there on time, not call in sick, not um, mismanage this relationship, not miss their de- this deadline? Like I was gracious, but I actually just wasn't very trusting of them. And it's... It's funny, right? You'd have this um, other coworker in the team who wasn't a Christian, who thought that Christians believed in a sky fairy. This person might have been an atheist or whatever it might be, right? Um, and they might have come into work a little bit hungover on Monday, but they were there early. That when they had a meeting, they were there um, 15 minutes early to a meeting. They were professional. They took those relationships with our clients and our customers seriously. Like they, that they worked hard. They came back from breaks early. They did all of the things that Christians weren't doing. And yes, nobody's perfect. So yes, they would make mistakes from time to time, but they actually didn't even expect grace. So when I extended the littlest bit of grace, They were actually very appreciative of it. They didn't actually take it for granted. So you can imagine from time to time as a manager, I'd have to hand out promotions or pay rises or someone would want to go for an internal um, position higher up the food chain in another part of the company. And, you know, my reference, obviously, what I would say on the phone to the other manager carried a lot of weight. And, and, And the truth was Christians would always get a little bit frustrated with me. They would always say, hey, how come you're always given the opportunities to the people that aren't Christians? You should be looking after us. We're brothers in Christ. We're brother, sister in Christ. You should look after us. You know, don't you want the bonus going to to me? I'm going to tithe off the bonus. That other guy isn't. Uh, Don't you want the promotion going to me? I'm going to lead in a godly way. That other girl isn't. And, you know, they'd say all that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, But the thing, you know, what I realized is, I realized is, again, although I was gracious to these Christians, I actually didn't trust them. And so I'd have to, you know, use biblical language for these people because that was the language they understood. I'd say things like, well, who is my Nehemiah? Who's my cupbearer? Who can I actually trust has got my back? Who can I trust is going to go the extra mile? Who can I trust is going to deliver the goods? Who can I trust that takes this job as seriously as I take this job, right? Because again, the kings, it couldn't get any more serious than that. It was literally his life, right? That's the level of trust that he had with Nehemiah. And there was always an excuse with Christians. Oh, well, you should have seen me a couple of years ago. I was so much better a couple of years ago. Oh, well, I'm so much better in my church, Phil, than I am here at work. And it was always a different reason. But see, the cupbearers in my world, the Nehemiahs in my world, who often weren't Christians, didn't turn up with excuses. They turned up with answers. 
and I, you know, watching that, actually watching the attitude challenged my own heart in the areas that maybe I had been dealing with authority. Some of the areas that maybe I hadn't been the greatest cut bearer. Maybe in my own life, in some of the areas of authority that I was dealing with, maybe I needed to work on not just grace, because I was expecting grace, but trust also. Because the thing is, in this relationship with those in authority, the key thing's actually not grace, it's trust. And you know what I realized when I was listening to um, these people in my one-on-one meetings with, um, you know, with them over the years, is that um, they were praying, right, that God would grant them favor with me. That in because of the favor that God give them, I'd give them the promotion, I'd give them the pay rise. But what I realized is watching them, and this is what challenged me personally in all the areas that I had authority, because remember, I'm reporting to somebody higher than me. I've got to deal with people higher than me in church, in my personal life, in my professional life, etc. right? Um, God actually had already put me in a position where I could build favor supernaturally. You see, Nehemiah, when I studied him, yes, God granted him favor in this moment, but he had built the well and poured the water in over the years in this area time and time again. The king actually noticed, hey, you're not your normal self because your normal self is in tip top shape, buddy. What's going on? Are you okay, right? The king genuinely cared about him. He'd built that relationship. And I realized with a lot of these staff members that I had dealt with, and I realized in my own life with some of the challenges that I was having with authority, God had already granted favor because there was a relationship And we'd miss the opportunity to sow a seed that would reap the harvest that would actually bless me in future. You know, I'm a big believer for Holy Ghost favor. Anybody who's been around our church a while knows I love to lay hands and pray on people in a COVID appropriate way um, uh, for a breakthrough in favor and all of that kind of stuff, right? But let me just tell you, do you know, sometimes you actually don't need a divine miracle in that moment. You need to sow the miracle in the lead up to that moment, right? Don't just expect grace, sow trust into the relationship so that you can draw on that later on. Nehemiah knew that. Nehemiah understood that. Nehemiah had already got that revelation and he had sowed it in. So when the time came to draw out those chips, they were already in the bag, right? And you know, that you might say, well, that's just a work example. Look, for me, when I realized this and when I had this revelation, I realized it applied to all the authority figures in my life. It applied to stuff that's in my sporting life, which <laughs> if you've ever watched me do any hand-eye coordination, you know I'm absolutely gonna need favor from coaches and captains to get any opportunity at all. It, um, it applied in my work life, of course. It applied at church. It applied even with family, uncles, aunties, mums, dads, grandparents, etc. In every area of my life, I had to challenge myself and say, am I the Nehemiah in this relationship? And if not, why not? If I was the king, would I trust myself as the cupbearer? If not, why not? Now, some of the areas I was doing well in, sure, but there were other areas where I thought I could actually challenge myself. So if you are a Christian in this place, there you go, non-Christians. I do pick on Christians sometimes. Let me just pick on you for a moment. Ask yourself those questions. Not just as a person extend grace, not have I sown grace in, have I actually sown trust in? Would that person trust me as the cupbearer? And if not, make the adjustments that you need because while we love to pray for miracle breakthrough, and I will pray for miracle breakthrough, I love praying for miracle breakthrough. <clears throat> The truth is you can sow your own miracle with those in authority. You can sow it over a sustained period of time, right? So Nehemiah understood this. Connection with authority figures matters in life enormously. In fact, actually don't think 
that you can get to where God's calling you to be if you don't have this revelation with those in authority in your life, right? But it's not the only connection that matters. If we sort of zip forward to chapter four, we're going to dance around the book a little bit. Um, zip forward to chapter four. In uh, what had happened now in the next two chapters, he managed to get back. The key and looked after him. He actually, if you continue to read chapter two, he totally looks after him. He sends him guards and a security detail and um, all these kind of royal seals and letters and stuff. King totally, divine favorites, phenomenal. So he gets there and uh, they go to start rebuilding the wall. And wouldn't you know it, some of the neighbors aren't happy. Some of the people are not happy about them rebuilding their defenses, reestablishing their culture, society beginning to flourish again. So they come under a little bit of fire. Everybody's freaking out. Nobody's sure what to do. And they turn to Nehemiah, ordinary guy, just like you are, just like I am, not some kind of fancy-pansy spiritual leader, not a military general or anything like that, but he uh, he understood the value of connection. And he had already called out now the second sort of relationships that you need and that I need to become who God's calling us to be. This is what it says in chapter 4, verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, here's his speech, right? Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Pause. We are up to number two. Type number two in the chat. The number two, if you don't want to type the word two, just drop the number on the chat. Second emoji, if you're feeling wild and in a party mood, that could be anything. Number two, your connection with friends and family. Number two, your connection with friends and family. You know, Australia is not a perfect nation by any stretch of the imagination. We all know that. Um, But it does have some really great cultural things, things I really love about Australia. And one of the cultural expressions that I think is always fantastic about Australia is this whole idea of mates helping mates. You might have heard that before. Mates helping mates, right? It's just an expression that basically means you help people out when they're in need and they'll help you out when you're in need and kind of what goes around comes around. And, you know, typical Australian style, uh, mate could be anything, could be a cousin, could be a grandma, could be your dad, could be your best mate, could be a next door neighbor, could be somebody you've never, ever met before. Mate, Uh, you know, that's Australia, right? Mates helping mates, right? And the thing is, it's actually a very biblical idea. It's, It's Australian, sure, and it's expressed in the typical Australian way where you can refer to your mum as your mate. But um, the actual idea is actually quite biblical of mates helping mates. But the Bible goes out a step further than just mates helping mates, right? The Bible says, if you fight for others, you will strengthen yourself. Because see, they were weak, they were vulnerable, they were afraid. And his solution was, don't worry about yourself now, fight for somebody else, right? Put somebody else's needs ahead of your own, right? So you got to understand, it's not just our connection above, it's our connection to the left and right. Connection with those, not just in authority, but friends and family, people to our left and our right, okay? Those relationships are important. And you've got to understand, you've got to get a revelation. God has made you for connection with your peers. God has made you for connections with friends and family. He's actually designed you that way, right? Um, he made us for friendships, You know, uh, when you sit down with that friend and you just pour your heart out over a cup of tea or coffee or whatever, and they just, they're sitting there listening and they're providing feedback and it just warms your heart. That feeling that you get, that heartwarming feeling, that, 
moment, that, that didn't come from you. That didn't just evolve. God wired that into your DNA. He designed you to feel that because he designed you for connection with friends, but not just friends, family too. You know, when you, you see that relative that you haven't seen for so long and you run up and you give them a great big hug and it's just, oh, it's, it's amazing. Something just warms in your heart, right? That feeling, whether it be a kid, a brother, whatever, family members, when you give them a hug and that's just a little spark, you're like, oh, that, that actually comes from God. That, that feeling that you've got, that connection feeling, that's designed by God because God has wired you for friends and family. He's wired you for that connection. He's built you that way. You need these relationships to get to where God's calling you to be, right? Let me just tell you that. And not just physical family, spiritual family as well. God's designed you with a spiritual family in mind, right? And that's why church is extremely powerful, I believe, right? Um, it, this is a spiritual family, even though it's online right now because you might be in uh, you know, isolation or whatever it might be, traveling, whatnot. And that's why it's awesome that you're tuning in. This is a spiritual family. When you're in the building, it's a spiritual family, right? Uh, this isn't some Christian karaoke and just a Christian TED talk, right? It's a family gathering. You're tuning into a family gathering online, right? Um, the, the people on the chat, they're your brothers and sisters, your spiritual family, right? And the Bible says that we're called to love one another, our spiritual brothers and sisters. We're called to love them, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of us are a bit out of sorts. Some of us are a bit weird. Some of us are a bit messed up. But let's be honest, isn't that the same in your physical family? I don't know about you. Some of my family members are a little bit odd too. Some of them have a few issues. Some of them are a little bit strange. But hey, don't you love your physical family anyway? I love them too. And the Bible's saying that that's, that's kind of how it works with our spiritual family as well, right? And why do you think the Bible says stuff like, don't forsake the gathering of believers? It's saying it because it's like, hey, this is family and this is family time. Make sure you prioritize that. You slot that in your schedule. You don't get too busy that you push family aside because just like you need those in authority to get to where God's calling you to be, you are going to need friends and family, both physical and spiritual, to get to where God's actually calling you to be, right? And um, uh, just like in any family, there'll be some people that you just love as family members and there'll be some people that you love as friends and family members. I have a big family, right? I'm a wog. There's like 180 of us. And that's only going first and second cousins, maybe if I start including third and fourth cousins. There's a tribe. I pack out Shiloh, right? Uh, my wife's Mauritian. She comes from a big family too. Um, my mum was like one of 13. My, uh, my, my um, wife's Krista, her dad was like one of 12 or something like that. Big families, right? But you know, the thing is, when you've got a family that big, you're not friends with everybody in the family. You love everybody, but then you've got some cousins or some uncles or aunties or whatever that you're just closer to than others, right? The same could be true of church. You've got some people that, you know, they're just your spiritual family and you love them. And then you've got other people, you've got a genuine friendship with them. And that's great too, right? Um, we need a circle of friends and we need a circle of family. God has made us with that connection in mind, right? And no matter if we're talking about physical or spiritual, friends or just like family that you love, the connection uh, message from Nehemiah is clear. You need these people and you need to fight for these people. And if you fight for those people, you yourself will actually get strengthened. God has wired us that way, right? Uh, you know, we don't have time to read the whole book of Nehemiah, but you actually look at what happens when they start to fight for one another, when they start to stick their neck out for one another, when they start to actually have each other's backs, they rally together. It shifts the tone. It shifts the mood. Fear and all these other things begin to break off their life. You know, it is such a powerful thing in uh, the life of friends and family 
understanding when we get a hold of this revelation. Sometimes we go to the altar and we're crying, we're praying for breakthrough in a certain area. And the thing that we actually need to do is just park it just for a moment and focus on somebody else, focus on somebody else's needs, go into battle for them, go into fight for them, go into bat for them, to use a cricket expression. And when you do that, those things that you've been wrestling with actually begin to drop off your life. You get the strength to overcome those things because that's how that level of connection actually works, right? Um, if you're looking for a more spiritual way, you know, if you're one of my uh, people that like needed the Nehemiah cup example, let me give you a more spiritual way of putting it. What you sow into those uh, family and friendships, you will actually reap in your own life. Sow strength, sow a battle, sow a victory, expect to reap that in your own life, right? The Bible says that God is not mocked. What a man sows, he reaps, right? So if somebody in our church family is struggling by the impact of the floods, go into battle for them, go out and help them, go and support them, right? There's so many people in our community that are impacted by the floods right now. Come on, let's roll our sleeves up and get it done for these people, right? Um, If someone's moving house and they're stuck, take some time out, help them move a few boxes, right? Go into battle for people in need, right? With Shiloh Cares, um, you know, run off its feet at the moment, helping people in our community. Why don't you give an afternoon, a morning, a day, something, right? Help people out in need, right? If somebody, um, you know, normally comes to church late and leaves early and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff, as they're walking out the door, grab them, start a conversation. If you're like, well, you know, I don't really know how to make friends with anybody. I never really got taught to do that. Hey, let me tell you the easiest way that you can make friends in the life of the church. You want to know a quick secret? Life hack, quick tip. This is how you do it. Start serving. Just pick a department, any department that'll have you and start serving. It is one of the greatest ways that you can build relationships that will be a source of blessing to you and help you get from point A to point B in life. You know, I've I've served with people over the years and I've literally built lifelong friendships, people that really genuinely do feel like family, people that I'm actually closer to than some of my actual family, 10 years, 20 years relationships that have happened because we started serving together. And let me say, I've served in all kinds of areas. I've cleaned toilets. I've been on the welcome team. I've worked in kids' church. I've been a stage manager. I was the guy that helped out on working bees and just carried stuff. You know, I've served in all kinds of areas because when the family's in need, we step up and help. Who who knows what I'm actually saying, right? Uh, it's not about, well, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what my spiritual skill set is. And when I've done a little course and I know what my spiritual skill set is, then I'll figure out what I'm going to do and where I'm Come on, man. It's not about that. It's not how we do it. You know, my grandmother had her 90th birthday a couple of years ago, right? We were all there. And at the end, we needed to pack up because we were hiring a hall, right? Because there was so many of us, wogs, right? <laughs> a lot of us got together. Do you know? Do you think at the very end I was like, well, look, I'd love to help you move some tables, but really logistics management is not really my main skill set. Come on, it was my grandmother's 90th. I wasn't going to let her move the tables. I just grabbed a table. Hey, this is the church family. Sometimes maybe logistics management isn't your skill set, but you can move a table. Maybe you're not the world's best customer service person, but you can smile and greet somebody at the door. You know, maybe you don't have a triple education degree, but you can serve in our kids' church. Just serve in the areas that need. Talk to the people that you're serving with. Hey, how are you? How long have you been here? Just ask some basic questions. Invite someone over for a coffee. Invite someone over for a meal. 
offer to pay for their meal. Just sow into those relationships because what you sow, you reap. Nehemiah understood that and it was a great source of blessing. Not only did they achieve breakthrough, they were able to get above the situation where they were being attacked, but it, it established something in the nation that had long been forgotten because in that season, people were just so overwhelmed by their own needs and their own issues that they hadn't gotten caught up in that drama. If you're feeling a little caught up in your drama right now, you got a whole bunch of gear going on. Let me encourage you, fight a battle for somebody else. I'm not saying park your thing forever and you don't matter. I'm not saying that. Come on, don't get it the wrong way. I'm just saying, just park it just for a moment. Go into battle for somebody else. Take up somebody else's thing, right? Go and support someone. Move some boxes. Help someone spray out their driveway if it's covered with mud from the floods. Do something and watch what will happen. And if you go, well, I don't know if there is anybody in need, sign up for something at church. Go and help Samaritan's Purse on behalf of Shiloh or, you know, whatever. Just step out. Watch what God will do in your life. I am living proof that God will bless you immensely if you do that. I I completely wholeheartedly love Nehemiah's example. I know it to be true, right? So, um, you know, and part of that I would actually say then is that you do need to be here every week, right? If you're not here, tune in online if you've got to travel and whatnot. But like if you if the alarm goes off in the morning and you're like, man, I think I might just sleep in and not go to church, come to church. Don't forsake the gathering of believers, right? I remember when my grandma's 90th birthday was on. It was a long drive away from where I was living. But hey, it's a family gathering. Can't forsake the family gathering. It was her 90th. If we had the same attitude about our church family, we were supporting one another. We were looking after one another. We went into battle for one another, right? If we did that, you would be shocked at the amount of issues that would just magically, I say in inverted commas, resolve themselves in our life because it's a divine principle. God has made it that way, right? Last bit of scripture. Uh, from the book of Nehemiah is in Nehemiah chapter 2, right, verse 18. And it, it's a fascinating thing because it leads us to the last re- uh, relationship that you're really going to need, the last connection point that you're really going to need to become who God's calling you to be to get to where God's calling you to go, right? And um, Nehemiah is um, sort of, you know, in a dear diary way, he's recounting the conversations he had with people after his favor with the king, after all this other stuff's happened, right? After all the resources started to flow through. He says this, he says, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, Let's rebuild the wall so they began the good work. Number three, my last point, type number three into the chat or your third emoji. If you've been typing emojis a whole lot, hey, why stop now? Type your third emoji in the chat or the word three or the number three, your connection with God, your connection with God. It's not just our connection with those in authority in a physical sense, our bosses, our coaches, our mums, our dads. It's not just our sort of left and right connections, friends, family, all that kind of thing, both spiritual and physical. It's also about our connection with God, right? God will fight for those who depend on him. That's one of the great principles of life. God fights for those who depend on him. You know, and sometimes I think the danger in our Western society, right, is our walk with God can become a little bit like, would you like fries with that? You know, it's like an add-on rather than the main thing that everything else revolves around. It becomes the moon that floats around our planet rather than our planet floating around the sun. Hello. Um, You know, it's like, well, I'm just so busy. I've got 15 minutes here. I'll just squeeze in a quiet time with God. I'm just so busy on this Sunday and that Sunday. But you know what? I'll go to church on the other two Sundays. 
Look, I really do feel like God's nudging me to listen to that sermon again on a podcast, but it isn't going to happen this week. I have too much on, right? And, um, you know, we can, we can be so focused on that till we have a need. Well, Lord, I need a promotion. Lord, I need a pay rise. Lord, I've got a family issue. Lord, I've got a friendship issue. Lord, I've got this problem or that problem or the other problem. I need your help. All of a sudden, we manage to squeeze out a bit of time. We run to God. And uh, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give us breakthrough. That's, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. God does want to give us breakthrough, but he brings breakthrough to people who depend on him, right? To people who are focused on him. Going back, uh, nodding to our Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, right? Because the thing is, though, it, it's supposed to be the other way around. It's not, would you like fries with that? Jesus is the hamburger, to use that metaphor, right? Our aim should be, to go to the job that God calls us to go to, to live in the house that God calls us to live in, to send our kids to the school that God calls us to send them to, to um, go to the church that God calls us to. We need to follow the call of God in every area of our lives and in the gaps, right, squeeze whatever we got in, right, rather than the other way around, okay? And if you do that, right, you'll be shocked at what God does. It's like the Bible um, refers to us as children of God. Children of God. That's not an accidental thing. God wasn't just like, and just blurted it out, right? God God thought about this and thought, this is a good metaphor for you to understand. Because if you think about children, children are totally dependent on their parents, right? They need their parents to bring breakthrough. My kids didn't decide where they're going to live. I did. My kids don't decide what school they go to. I do. My kids don't decide what they're going to eat. I decide. My kids don't make those big decisions in life. I decide that. Now, it's not that they don't have free will. Of course they do. They play with who they want to at lunchtime, obviously. You know, I have conversations with them about it, but I'm not there to control that. They um, watch, uh, you know, the videos at, at school and they either pay attention or don't pay attention. They There's a whole bunch of different things. They're in um, kids' church doing their thing. And, and so their free will does come into it, you know, and I'm not there policing their Lego building, you know, routine and saying, well, you better, better build the Batcave. You can't build Spider-Man's lair. I've decided that's not going to happen. That's just silly, right? There are all these gaps in life where they get to inject themselves and their free will and all that kind of stuff, right? And in that balance, there's peace and there's harmony. And when there is a challenge on those things, mum and dad bring breakthrough. That's how it's supposed to be with our walk with God. We need to know that we are where God wants us to be, when he wants us to be there. And you watch, you will have challenges just like Nehemiah did. That's that's part of the point of the book, right? There are things that pop up. But in those moments, if you're totally dependent and totally relying on God and you call out to him, he will bring breakthrough in those moments, right? He loves to bring breakthrough in those moments. The book of Nehemiah is awesome. His prayer in chapter nine, fantastic, right? You got to read the book of Nehemiah. It's a game changer. You know, Jesus highlights this point in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Let me read it to you. 7.11, it says, If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give you wonderful gifts for those who ask Him? This means that your life is not going to be worse if you depend on God. It's actually going to be better. Because if you as a parent can do a pretty good job, imagine how good your heavenly father, your godly parents actually going to be. You know, it's so highlighted in the life of our church in this last week. Um, this week, I had the great honor and privilege of marrying uh, uh, Kim and Herbie, our youth pastors and creative pastors. And it was really, really cool, this great moment. And I've shared it on stage before. But for those who don't know, they did not come here to find love. They both came separate from one another. I mean, they sort of loosely knew each other. You know, I think they were mutual friends on Facebook or something. But they came here because God individually had called them both to this church. 
And so I remember having the conversations with them in 2020 about, hey, we feel called to come here. We're not coming for a job or a position. We just feel we're called to come here. We're called to serve, right? That friends and family thing, right? We're called to fight for somebody else, right? We want to submit it to you. You're in authority, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I said, well, you know, you got to fast about it. you got to pray about it. No, it's God. You're in a really good thing down south. If you really want to come up here, I want you to know that it's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. So they come here, right, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, you know, if I know how to reward my kids for listening to me, how much more do you think God knows? Now, obviously, they wanted to find love. Obviously, they wanted to meet that special somebody and get married. But as they put God first, isn't it fascinating? They could have gone somewhere else. They could have gone to a different church. But the person that God had wanted them to marry was in just the right place. They came here with a heart to serve God and God gave them exactly what they needed. You know, rather than just going where you want to go and asking God to bring you what you want, go where God's calling you to go. Do what God's calling you to do. And he will lay out the blessing that you're looking for before you've even had a chance to ask. So, so cool, right? So um, good things happen to those who depend on God. Now, you know, one of the things I think that's really cool about the life of the church is there's one thing that we've got here at Shiloh that literally ticks all three boxes. It ticks your connection with those in authority, your connection with friends and family, and your connection with God, right? And that is connect groups. Now, if you're watching this going, what is a connect group? A connect group is basically a little gathering sort of once a fortnight, sometimes once a month, depending on whether it's an interest group or not. And um, and what these groups do is they basically just get together or they read a Bible or they go shopping or they meet a cafe. Different connect groups do different things. But it's about your connection with each other, your connection with a connect group leader, and in through all of that, your connection with God, right? It literally ticks all three boxes. It's why I love connect groups. You know, our church has experienced some amazing growth in the last couple of years. You know, there's stacks of people in our church and it's hard to sometimes connect with every single person after a service. It's like that big family gathering of mine. You know, my grandma's nine. There was so many people and I wanted to have a long convo with everybody, but obviously I couldn't. There was a few people I spoke to. Some of them I just said hi and gave them a quick hug. I tried to get around as many people as possible, but my family's big. Same thing with the church family. It can be pretty big and sometimes it can be hard to get to know people. So if you're in a connect group, it's kind of a way of making big church small, right? Because instead of there being a couple hundred people in the building, you know, at the cafe or at the person's house or whatever, there might only be five or 10 people. And so you get to build relationship. You get to do life with one another. You get to know that, hey, someone does need me to go into bat for them and help them move their house or pray for them if they've got a job interview and they're stressed about it. Send them a little encouraging Bible verse in the morning. You get to know that sort of stuff. You do get to hear from your connect group leader. You get to work on your authority skills and dealing with those in authority. Hey, why not experiment on that person so that when you go into the workforce, you nail it. You get a pay rise. You get a promotion. I think God is loving like that. And of course, your walk with God, right? I think connect groups are amazing. Some connect groups do worship, some some don't. Some meet at cafes, some don't. Some are for older groups, some are for younger groups, right? Some go fishing, some paint, some do Bible studies. There's all kinds of connect groups for all kinds of people. But I believe whoever you are watching this, there's a connect group for you. And I really believe in the life of this church, connect groups are just going to explode. I think they're going to become one of those things where it's part of the lifeblood of what it means to be a part of Shiloh, to be in our connect group, right? Now, somebody's going to say, well, is the point of a connect group to study the word? You know, and I would say, not really. 
Because if it's just about studying the Bible, you can stay home and watch some great preaching on YouTube or whatever and study the Bible that way. It's not just about your connection with God. It's also about your connection with other people, right? Um, It's about rallying around other people and people rallying about you, right? So yes, the key ingredient is God. And yes, it's got to be led by somebody. So those in authority, but it's about a community. It's about connection, right? So my prayer is that every single person that calls Shiloh home is in a connect group, right? Now you might think, well, Phil, that's so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to type on the chat right now that I've been a Christian a really long time. I know Jesus really, really well. Thanks, buddy. I don't really need to do that, right? But but here's the thing. If, if you reckon that's you, <laughs> two things. First of all, maybe you should start mentoring me because I actually think I need this for my own life, right? I love connect groups. Um, and, you know, even as a pastor... Obviously, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? I'm, the, you know, I'm the senior pastor of the church. I've got a group of guys that I actually catch up with who are other pastors, and we've got a little little Facebook group, which is pretty funny, and you put prayer needs on it, and someone put a joke or a meme or whatever. We catch up regularly, we talk, we pray for each other, we encourage one another. I need that, right? I need that. And and um, so if you're like, well, I, 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 you know, I don't think that that applies to me. Well, cool. Well, you must be <laughs> you must be mentoring me then because I need that. The second thing that I would say is even if you're like, well, I'm just this really godly, mature person and I've got it, I've just got it all together in life, Phil. Wait till you meet me. And I'm already catching up with a whole bunch of other Christians. I would say to that, well, okay, if you're already catching up with people, you know, if if you're already doing that, are you catching up consistently, like say every fortnight, and are you open the Bible together or are you at least praying together if you're going to a cafe, right? Are you challenging each other's walk with God? Are you rallying around and supporting one another, right? Um, so I would say, if not, then you should join a connect group. And if you are already doing that, hey, let us know. We'll just make your thing a connect group, right? I really do believe in connect groups. I, I think it's incredibly easy to get busy in the craziness of life and miss out on that Nehemiah principle. And I think connect groups are a great opportunity, not only for you to hone skills in those three areas, but also for God to bring blessing into your life. Hey, you know, I'm going to pray for people right now and uh, before uh, I go, and then we are going to sort of go on with all the other bits and pieces that no doubt you've got to do in your life. But whatever the situation is, I believe that these three relationships can be key. Maybe it's a challenge at work, great opportunity for your work on a relationship with your boss, or maybe it's a family member, like a, the matriarch of the family, your grandmother or an uncle or somebody like that. Work on your relationship with those in authority. The connection with those in authority, Nehemiah shows us, is critical to get to where you're called in life. Maybe, you know, it's friends and family, and you're like, man, even as I'm watching this right now, it's been a while since I've been in church. I need to get back into church. Or you're watching this and you're like, man, you know, actually, I, I, I go to church Sure, but I, I just never build those connection points. Hey, get into a connect group. Start serving somewhere. Stay high to people. Or maybe it's really your relationship with God. It's become a little bit of a uh, apple pie on the side of the meal or a fries on the side of the burger. And you just need to switch some things around and say to God, hey, what do you like about my life, God? And what do you think you want to change? Wh- whatever it is, I believe that God is going to bring a, a source of blessing through one or all of those connection points. And let me just remind you the example I said at the start. The only thing worse than being alone is having people and not calling on them. Have an RECQ, but then when you break down, you don't pick up the phone, right? If you're in, if you've got connections with those three areas, praise God, but don't be afraid to ask for help. 
Don't be afraid to call out if you need something. And if you're the person receiving that, don't be afraid to go, yeah, I'll help you with that. I'll step out for you. If you do that, your life will be richly blessed. I believe it. I've tried to live it. Nehemiah's proof of what happens at the other end of it. God can do great things. Hey, let me pray for some connection points for you, right? Um, the first group of people I'm going to pray for, who you need a connection point with God. You need Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And even for some of you, um, he is, is just the priorities are out of whack and you just need to reset things. You just need a moment. I'm going to pray for that and I'm going to pray for the other two connection points. But if that's you, you're like, man, I need Jesus. Just give us a wave on the chat or uh, if you're listening to this later on or whatever, just shoot us a message and say, yeah, I need that. And, um, and we're just going to pray. A little simple repeat after me, repeat after me prayer. End of this prayer, you're going to be a Christian. And if you already are a Christian, things will just reset. Things will just reset. I just feel in my spirit there's some people that need to do that. So repeat after me because I'm not there right now, but God is and he's listening. Dear Jesus, please come into my life as Lord and Savior. God, I place you at the top of the food chain, <laughs> top of the tree. Help me to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Your connection is being restored with God. I believe that right now. Let us know if you made that prayer. We've got an online course called Foundations Online. You can jump on our website and find that. And that will actually help you in your newfound walk with God. But the second group of people I feel called to pray for is people that need a connection with those in authority or connection with friends and family. I'm going to pray that God supercharges those points and you draw down great blessing in your life as a result of that. If that's you and you want that, just give us a wave on your chat or extend a hand towards the TV or whatever you might be doing. Let's pray God does something. Dear Jesus, I just pray right now for people that you would supercharge their connection with authority and supercharge their connection with other people, friends and family. God, anoint them and bless them in those connections and those relationships. Let them draw down favor from heaven through that, Lord God. Let them sow good stuff and reap good stuff in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hey, if you're interested in more about Connect Groups, let us know in the chat. Shoot us a message. Call the office. We'd love to hook you up with a Connect Group. It'll change your life. I love them. I know you will too. God bless you Shiloh. Thanks for tuning into church. We'll see you next week. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.